Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. She's an Emmy-nominated actress with over 35 years in the Screen Actors Guild. She's a regular on the award-winning series, The Bay. You may know her from her seven-year run as Simone on ABC's All My Children and countless other film and television credits. I want to welcome the talented Terry Ivins to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Yeah, the crowd erupts. Hey, Philly. It's so great to see you. It's so ditto, 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 ditto. My God. I mean, we literally grew up together. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I was thinking about it. That was 1987. Yeah. Like 1987. Yeah. Right. I was like two. You were three. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, when I look back at those, you know, some of that footage from from the old TV series, you know, I, well, let's explain it to the audience is, you know, well, look, I created the podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. If a kid like me can come out from Brooklyn at 18 with 200 bucks in his pocket and a one way ticket, not knowing a soul out here and make the dream a reality. I've been blessed. I've been working active for over 35 years. And we worked together on my TV series. Uh, you know, when I came out, I, two years later, I had my own TV series. And you, originally was called Second Chance. And it was me, um, it was Matthew Perry and Keel Martin. And it had a um, kind of a story about a guy who dies in the year 2011, not good enough to go to heaven, but not bad <laughs> enough to go to hell. And his, you know, next door neighbor, me, you know, the fifth banana on the show was the one that got him in trouble. And uh, Keel Martin from Hill Street Blues had to help him change his ways. And it was this kind of crazy storyline, whatever. Long story short, you came on that show and you played, you know, my character was the boots. He was kind of like the Fonz, you know, he had lots of girlfriends and you came on and did an episode and you, I think, I don't know, I think you had like one line or something like that or something like that. It was, did, did you have, what'd you have? What'd you say on it? Do you remember? Oh God, no. Cause that was one of my first jobs. Yeah, but so, I know it wasn't an under five because my manager would never have let me do that, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I think I, I said, remember, I, I, think, I do remember that, that gig because of what transpired. Well, that's after. what I that's well, that's what's the amazing story is, you know, I, you played like one of my girlfriends. I said, oh, are you still fighting with your girlfriend, Julie or whatever? And, and I tell you, you know, you're the only girl in my life. And, you know, <gasps> there, the, you know, oh there was you're I, right. I was your girlfriend. Yeah, you were my girlfriend on the second chance. And then that show gets canceled. 
right? And they they fire the you know the older actors on the show, and then Fox comes to me and said, "Your character is testing." You know, I mean, I was getting bags and bags of fan mail and stuff like that. So we want to recreate the show, and we wanted to make you you and Matthew Perry the leads of the show, and it became Boys Will Be Boys, and yes. great and, title. And then you were made uh, almost a series regular. I mean, you did the whole, pretty much the whole run of Boys Will Be Boys and you played Matthew Perry's girlfriend on the show. But you right. took you took a small role where you didn't have a lot and they loved what you did and they made you a, a series regular on Boys Will Be Boys. That is very true. In fact, what happened was they called me to see if I wanted to do the promo Four Boys Will Be Boys, which we said, of course, and it worked out to where it was just really me talking on the telephone, like doing girl chatter. But but for all of your 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 clients, like that commercial, that promo is really what landed me my first TV series because I did the promo for Boys Will Be Boys. And then they're like, we should just add Terry in on the show. Yeah. So that's sort of how my part of the story really came in. If I hadn't done that promo, I probably wouldn't have been written in the show. And I, just, I wouldn't have gotten the promo if I didn't do whatever. Maybe it was an under five. If I didn't bite the bullet and do that, then it wouldn't have escalated, wouldn't have lifted me up to the next level. And Fox was, it was in the first year, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, the first year that Fox became a network. Yeah, there so, was no Fox. <laughs> right. There was back then there was only like three, the three majors, ABC, NBC, you know, CBS. And then Fox was like channel 40. And in some towns it was like 210. And I'm like, we have that many channels. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, really the, those shows, boys will be boys, second chance, you know, uh, 21 okay. jump street, uh, yeah, the, married with children. What was that other one that uh, Dukon did with the little robot girl? Yeah, I mean, I did. They, they did Punky, but I don't think that was Fox. No, it wasn't Fox. Yeah, but you know, those were the first shows. I mean, we went out on tour and we promoted the, you know, the Fox Network. You know, Tracy Ullman was on it, so you know, there was the first time Fox, you know, when it first became the network. I mean, I, I actually pulled the plug, you know, like lifted the switch to turn on the lights on Fox in the in the promo, but. This, the moral to the story is, is there are no small roles. You know, you can come and do that little part in the in second chance and, and people like you and they want to bring you back. And all of a sudden that turns into a series regular. So I tell my actors all the time, there are no small roles. You go in there and you do your best work and you're prepared and you're professional and, you know, you're likable and people want to work with you. That's very true. And the, the opposite is definitely a fact. If you go on and you're demanding and you're saying, well, where's this? And where's this of mine? Where's my chair? And, and I, you're not easy to work with, or you're not someone that everyone enjoys working with. Guess what? They will write you out or they'll never hire you again. And that type of, I don't know why it seems like the negativity will stick to you harder and faster than all the positives, right? Because people tend to, in, in, in entertainment, they tend to remember like, oh my God, she was such a bitch, right? And then that sticks. Maybe you were just having a bad day, but that sticks. So you have to be just primo, humble, 
grateful. I can't stress that enough. As you walk forward and continue to walk forward, if you want 20 years, 30 years in this business, you better, you know, plant a smile on your face and learn some pleasantries and then deliver it from your heart. Yeah. I love something that I read that you said about, they pay me to wait. I act for free. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. I actually stole it from Laurence Olivier, but very few people know who that is very shamefully. It was Laurence Olivier that said that. That's awesome. And yeah, and I live by it and I've lived by it my whole career. Excuse me, good attitude, good attitude. Yeah. Let's go back. You know, when did you know that you wanted to be an actor? Well, I grew up a daughter of a drummer, a rock drummer. So I was around entertainment my whole life, started performing uh, as part of the tax exemptions, which I had no idea what that meant when I was seven, singing. And then uh, when I became uh, eligible for like college scholarships and I had none, my dad asked me, you know, well, what are you going to do for college? And uh, I decided to do this program called the America's Junior Miss Pageant. And I was 17 and uh, that opened up doors. It was live telecast uh, on CBS. Bruce Jenner, a.k.a. Caitlin, uh, (laughs) was father of the year that year. It was 1985. And I was top five finalist, one talent, blah, 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 national telecast. And agents saw the telecast and immediately wanted me to come to Hollywood, even though I didn't fit into the box that was in existence in 1985. Every part that I read for was always written for the blonde, blue eyed, dumb girl. That <laughs> Right. But they would say, oh, my gosh, there's something different about Terry. Well, really, it was just by pigmentation and darker hair. But I could play the dumb blonde but I just look different. So even if they try to stick you on a hole, you're like, no, I'm not circle. I'm triangle. You know what? We as actors learn how to mold and fit and, and, uh, you know, reinvent ourselves to fit into the places that we want to go. Right. So you don't walk into a casting going, okay, you know, uh, they'll see me for my great acting ability for this part. No, you walk in being the character because the majority of of producers and whatnot are not creatives. So if you don't walk in and just be it, they're not going to want to take that, that risk uh, with insurance. Really? It's about that, that you're actually going to pull it off and do well. They just, they would rather you be, the character that be the greatest actor. So morphing into those characters and fitting into whatever slot that they uh, are submitting you for is a very strong asset. Yeah. Well, listen, the, the series that I did with you, Boys Will Be Boys, you know, originally it was called Second Chance. And the, the character that I auditioned for, his name was Francis Latabucci. He was a surfer dude from Venice Beach. No way, a, he was a that, surfer dude? A surfer <laughs> dude from Venice Beach that had a parrot on his shoulder. Okay, <laughs> that's how they described him. <laughs> so when I read that script, I was like, nah. Thanks. I said, I, you know, I grew up watching um, John Travolta's Vinnie Barbarino, you know, this kind of streety Brooklyn, you know, troublemaker kind of character. And I grew up watching a character named The Fonz, Henry yeah. Winkler, you know, with the leather jacket. So what I did is I took a, a pinch of 
Vinny Barbarino and I took a whole lot of the Fonz and I put them together and I walked in with the leather jacket and the gold chain and the accent and the whole thing. And, and that's what I served them up. Like you said, I walked that character into the door. Now, all the other dudes were, they were in board shorts with like sunglasses did. And I brought in this guy and they bought it. So, you know, you, you got to know what your cast ability is. I knew, listen, I, I, I knew what worked because I had seen those shows. Those characters worked. I knew I, I'm a kid from New York, the streets of Brooklyn. You know, I'm I'm not going to try to be something I'm not. I brought in the boots and and they bought it. And that's the game, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you're a product. You got to know what you're selling to Hollywood. If you don't know what you're selling, they don't know what they're buying. So I, you got to know this is what I, this is my star power. This is my ability. I have ability. I can cry on cue, you know, like, like you yeah. can, <laughs> you know, like yeah. see, those are your talents. You know, some people don't have that. So whatever it is, you know, that you can do, if, you know, you can do an accent, or you can, you know, you got to know what it is and, and truly know what you're selling to Hollywood. That's true. I uh, know your marketability. Uh, in the beginning, like I said, everything was written for the blonde, blue eyed girl. So I started hiding from the sun, which probably is a, best, a, a blessing in disguise now later in life. But I literally hid from the sun. I lightened my hair. I just played to my my Caucasian side. I'm hopping half and half. So I played to my Caucasian side so that I could work. So there was actually opportunity because back then they weren't writing for any ethnicities. I mean, to play Italian was considered an ethnicity, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't writing for anything. You were either, like you said, made, made yourself fit or you lacked opportunity. So, and now, which is interesting, is that I've watched this whole transition to where I've actually darkened my hair you know, back and forth throughout my career and uh, allowed myself to get sun so that I could play other roles and fit in more ethnicity parts. So, you know, I actually got a feedback uh, about, maybe it was about a year ago, and they literally said that I was too white. And I had heard everything. Like I had heard, oh, Terry's too green, which I thought that meant that I needed sun, but really it was that I was too inexperienced. I heard that, you know, I was too ethnic and I didn't know what that word was because I grew up not knowing color or that I may be different or anything. Uh, and the business is really where I found my first glimpses of feeling that I wasn't good enough because of my ethnicity. You know, and then I unfortunately, you know, was very upset with my mother, who was the dark side of my genes going, if you, you know, if I wasn't so brown, I would be working. Sad, but true. But never take it out on your parents. Because now look, I mean, I'm a smorgasbord. I have made a living just by how I stroke on the eyeliner if I want to play Asian, Indian, Hispanic, and uh, you can do the same thing. Love that. So how did you get in the business? Okay, yeah, you, you got, you did the pageant and people, agents were reaching out, but how did you like, you know, get your SAG card? I mean, you've been a, in a SAG since 19 what? 87, 88, no, 87, 86? I think. Yeah well, yeah, well, I mean, you worked on my show on, in 87, so. Yeah, it was one of the yeah. first jobs. My very first job though was all my, uh, was a uh, soap. Uh, called Days of Our Lives. And uh, Doris Saba is the one that tapped heartedly. Actually, that was my second job. My first job was a thing called the New Gidget. 
And uh, that was horrible. Like my, literally my first job, I thought I'm, I'm, this is not what I really want to do because they were so mean to me. The girls on the show were very mean. Uh, and um, we had tiki torches and there was literally the lead of the show is like, God, I wish I could take that tiki torch and burn your little face off. And she said it was a smile, but I, it didn't feel very comfortable, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had, a gr- I got a great manager through doing acting classes and an amazing coach, Terrence Hines. And he would set up like uh, these, these showcases and then invite industry people to come in and he would put us, set us on our right light. And that is how I got my first manager is through my acting coaches, one of his uh, gatherings. And that's how I got started. And to this day, my original first manager is still in my life today, even though she's retired. Oh. And uh, yeah, I mean, I literally, she just texted me probably yesterday with like things that she would like me to do. Like she, she, she will not ever stop being my manager, even though she's technically not it. Like she's like, you really should lighten your hair. I like you lighter. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's hard to find, you want to find that right fit that right agent that right manager that truly believes in you and is going to work for you and really go out there and and you know i mean it's different now i'm back in the day i mean i remember my one of my first agents i, I had a lot of shitty agents <laughs> and then i found the good one you know the guy that back in the day was a, a phone conversation and he was like an ex xerox salesman and he could get on the <laughs> horn and like pitch me, I'd be sitting in his office and listening to him pitch me, you know, and he'd be talking about like, I got the next brand of Pacino, De Niro, you got to see the oh, actor yeah. studio. Ba, 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 ba. By the time I, I was like, by the time I already got the part, by the time I walked in the room, man, because he had pumped me up so much and I'd be going like, yeah, give him more and more, you know? So he was just such a good salesman on, you know, the old days back in the phone pitch, you know, those things don't even exist anymore. Oh my God. You're just, you just brought it to my memory. Denise Chamian, she yeah. was the casting. She yeah. casted Top Gun. The I know. New Top Gun. I, I know. Was like, Denise Chamian, I yeah. saw her name pop up. So she, I was in her office auditioning for a different TV show, and while I was in her office, she's like, "I'm so sorry, Terry. I have to take this call." Which she's the most amazing casting director. I'm sitting there, total novice. She takes this call. She hangs up and she's like, darling, I'm so sorry, but the role that you're reading for today has been cast. <laughs> she's like, let's just read it anyway, because I, I want to get to know who you are. So I read for her and that's how we get the call. She hired me, must have been an under five because she hired me on the spot to do second chance. That is how it happened. Yeah. Denise Chamin cast me my gave me my first TV series. I mean, she's the one that fought for, for me, you know, and now she's like you said, she's cast Top Gun. She's huge. She's huge. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and that was one of her first projects. And the beautiful thing is, is that, you know, the way of the world, all of a sudden something might just trigger a memory for her. And she goes, oh, my God, Billy Gallo would be perfect for this. Oh, I love him. And then she calls. So many times I've had worked with the same group of people or a person in another group of people because of what I previously had already exemplified of my professionalism. Being on time is so huge. So many people think 
like when you go in for your audition, oh, if I'm 10, 15 minutes late, it's okay because I'm nervous or the traffic. No, no, no. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I was told by my acting coach was if you are late, do you know what you're telling to the casting, to the producers, to any job is that your time is more valuable than mine. So if you're going to go on audition, you be there a half hour before your audition. You, you plan on it. So then if you're late, you're still 15 minutes early. And I have lived my life that way. I mean, in everything, no matter if it's meeting my friends for coffee, I just always make sure I leave half hour before when I think, because things just happen. And then if I give myself that much time, if there is traffic and I'm going through my lines in the car, whatnot, I have plenty of time. I don't have to sweat it, literally. It's great advice. You know, if you're late to my audition, it tells me you're going to be late to my set. And if you're late to my set, I got 150 technicians that are on payroll and I can't shoot anything till my lead actress gets there. And, you know, you're costing me a lot of money. So I'm not going to cast you. Now, what if, you know, you get there and the casting director goes, oh, you have the wrong sides. We're not reading that scene. We're reading this scene. Well, guess what? Now that you're early, you have time to prepare. You know, or you can get there early and you can go to the lady in the front desk and say, hi, is there a script available? And, you know, you take a peek at that script and you find out some information that nobody else has except for you because you're early. Or let's say they say, oh, well, there is no script available. Well, maybe they have a wall of sides. Well, why don't you read all those sides and you've just read the best stuff of the script. That's what they're auditioning. So it's about getting more information, being more prepared than the other actors, you know, grounding yourself. Like you said, uh, nerves, you know, uh, you know, you don't want to come from traffic and I couldn't find parking. And now I'm running to the audition and, you know, coming into the room like that. That's not the energy you want. You want to be able to be there, ground yourself, breathe, go through your choices and, and then go in there and play. You can't be in your head going, oh, my gosh, I'm late. Ba, 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 ba. That, you know, that's you're 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 in trouble <laughs> if you do that. Very true. You know, one of my favorite things was if they threw in a surprise scene, like they would say, you know, I want you to sit. And then they come out, Terry, would you read this other scene? They know it's cold, but like I had practice and what I always, I, gosh, I always try to enforce in, in anybody is that acting is a learned skill, you know, like singing that I think if you have a voice, you were, it was God-given, right? But acting is literally, you can learn how to do it. You just have to be vulnerable and not be embarrassed, not be insecure, not have fake humility, right? But you can learn it. And one of the talents that is so easy to learn is how to cold read. And if you have that skill, you've practiced it, whether it's on set that, you know, you could do a sitcom and all of a sudden they're throwing you new lines. They, they would do it to us on Boys Will Be Boys. They did it to me on Roseanne where set, we do the show the first time, then you break and you go have dinner and then you retape and do a second show. Sometimes all of your laugh lines are different. So mm -hmm. you have to have a skill to be able to cold read, pick it and be so good at it that people don't even realize that you're picking up a line and then you're reconnecting and then you're dropping it again. But that's a learned skill and anyone should, anyone can learn it and everyone should if they're really serious about making this their profession. That's great advice. You, you mentioned nerves. Have you had to deal with nerves as an actor? Absolutely. And how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with those nerves at an audition scenario? Well, I will say um, I did this uh, spinoff for, what was it, for, 
married with children called enemies. And this was another situation where it was pilot season. I'd been doing this. So this is like the mid late nineties, maybe. So I've been in it for a while. Um, I was getting a little jaded because the rejection level that we go through is so intense. Like you could be going out two or three times a day, but if you don't get those jobs and you're being rejected two or three times a day, how do you keep your wits about you and not take it personal? Because they say, don't take it personal. But when they say, I don't know, I don't know if I could listen to her voice for two hours. How do you not take that personal? So, <laughs> but you have to brush it off. I get to, I came to a part, a, a time when I hadn't learned how to brush it off. And I, I went into a sitcom this pilot season and my hand was just trembling with the paper. I could see the paper tremble and I'm trying to just stop it. It wasn't that I wasn't prepared. I just was so afraid of the coming rejection because I just gone through so much going through this pilot season. And here's supposed to be a comedy and I'm shaking and tears are, I feel tears are starting to come. And the casting director stops me and says, Terry, why don't you, you know, take a break, get, you know, get a hold of yourself, okay, go out. I'm going to have somebody else come in and then you come back in again. She was really rooting for me, but I was not in an emotional mental state of mind to be my strongest self. I was in a fit of fear and a fear of rejection. So I, at that time, we had phones in our car, and I called my agent, my manager, and I talked to her assistant, and I said, I need to quit because I am falling apart. I literally think I'm having a nervous breakdown inside the casting room, and I'll never work again if they think I'm falling apart. Well, it was a Friday, and my um, the assistant said, you know what, Terry, I totally hear you, but don't quit today because today's Friday. Take the weekend and really think about what it is you love to do and how you can go about doing it better. And then quit on Monday. I'm like, okay, I'll quit on Monday. <laughs> I call on crying because I can't stop trembling. Well, I get a call on Saturday the next day. And it's like, oh my gosh, Terry, they want to see you tomorrow, which is Sunday for uh, this sitcom called Enemies, which is a spinoff of Married with Children. They've already casted it, but the network is not happy with their star, their lead. And they want you to come in tomorrow on Sunday. Now, Sunday on a studio lot like Sony, there's nobody there, right? It's empty. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I'm like, well, it's Sunday. All right, I'll I'll go. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit on Monday, but this is kind of weird. There's never auditions on Sunday. It must be a God thing. I'm going to go. I go dead lot. Nobody there. It's so good for my nerves, right? There's nobody. I go in, I read, they go, thank you very much. I don't cry. If I was shaking, I didn't feel it. So I was so happy. I jump in my car, drive away. I get the phone call. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to say, yeah, thank you very much, but no, thank you. And I'm going to quit the next day, Monday. They say, no, we love her. Can she come back tomorrow, Monday and read for network? We're already in production. We need her to come. And I'm now going, oh my gosh, right? I'm going to quit. But I'm like, okay, I'll do one last interview with my nerves and then all of it. I go, they bring me into the room. I'm not even kidding. There were like 30 studio heads all in this little mini thing on Sony lot, mini theater. And then they bring me in and I don't know, 
by the grace of God, that's the only reason I can believe it is. I turned around, gave it to the big guy upstairs, said, help me one more time, turned around, nailed these four comedic scenes without crying, without trembling, and then hightailed it out of there. I was probably halfway down the hall when the executive producer was yelling, Terry, Terry, come back, come back, come back. Why don't you go sit in my office, start learning, read the script, start learning, looking over the lines as we call your agent and uh, we see what we can negotiate. I had booked the job, hadn't even come up with contracts. And I had the executive producer tell me to sit in his office as they figure all this out. And at the same time, my my manager is calling me going, get the hell out of his office. I can't negotiate a rate for you if you're sitting there learning lines. So I, I leave and Sony, so I go to the commissary, right? Just waiting for my beeper to go off, right? <laughs> Cell phones. And all of a sudden somebody comes and puts their hands over my eyes and spins me around going, guess who? And there's a voice that's circling and I'm like I don't know I don't know well the female voice was uh, Denise Richards that, that I'd worked with previously and I'm like oh my gosh Denise and someone who's holding my hand eyes is Donald Logue which I'd done a, a medicine ball a doctor series for Warner for Warner Brothers that failed right this is how deep my nerves were right and then there was I did a movie of the week called uh, Barefoot Executive and one of the stars that's from SNL was there too he's Bob Sugar on Tom Cruise's movie we all know show me the money right they were all working on this Tom Cruise movie on the Sony lot and here I am talking to them about how I'm falling apart, having more, you know, emotional breakdowns. And all of them are going, oh my God, Terry, just breathe. They're all giving me their nuggets. Just breathe. You know what I do? I close my eyes. So find whatever it is, whether you just need to stop, meditate, turn your back like I did to all of those that are going to judge you. Breathe, turn around and then just own it and do it. And the beautiful thing is, is that my beeper did go off. They came up with a great deal. They drove me in with golf cart into the stage 23, I believe it was, on Sony Lot. As they walked, the girl that they fired that was the lead out the back door. Wow. And uh, thankfully, I don't remember her name. And I think it's a beautiful thing because um, she's probably even more famous. So, um, but she, you know, things happen. Why didn't they want her? Was she really not funny or maybe it was the lines or what was it for whatever it was? If it's meant to be, if you're supposed to get that job. You will have that job. Nerves. Somebody else already has it. It will be yours. Yeah. So what I call that, I call it excitement, not nerves. <laughs> it's like your, that. it's, it's your body, your instrument, telling you you're getting to do what you love. You love to act. So your instrument is excited. It's a good thing. It's like batteries for an actor. You want that. you got to know how to harness that and use it because if you can harness it and use it, it's like it takes you to the next level to the where you get into the zone and magical shit happens. 
because you don't even you get lost in in the moment and it's not even you acting anymore. It's you, the character. You know, I don't go into an audition scenario and those network things. I've been in many, many network things. You know, I mean, I tested for Fox, you know, boys will be boys. But I don't walk in there as an actor trying to get the part. I don't want to be an actor in in a network test. I want to be the character in the given circumstance. It's not even me. It's the character. It's the booch. It's whoever. It's not me. So I'm in play mode. If I could put myself in a real place and put up that fourth wall, they don't even fucking exist. <laughs> it's just me talking to wherever my personalization is and going after whatever my character needs in the scene. And I'm in play mode, like Halloween, trick or treat. You put the costume on, the wardrobe, and you get to jump around and act silly because it's not you. It's the Spider-Man, you know? So it's the same thing is, is to be in that play mode because when you're in your head, you're dead. When you're in your heart, you're smart. When you're playing and having fun, then it's fun for me, the casting directors, the producers watching. I'm I'm having fun because you're having fun. If you're in your head and you worry about your nerves and forgetting your line, you're, you're in trouble. It's hard to watch. That's that's painful to watch. I've been on the other side as a producer and I see those actors coming in a room and casting and they're, you know, they're a mess and they're in the head and it's just painful to watch or you're, they're desperate or, you know, and then there's the actors that are prepared and they're in play and they're having fun. Those are the ones that, you know, I'm going to remember, you know, you can, I, I personally think you, you should never go into an audition trying to get the part. You should just go in there to have fun because you love acting and be in play mode. And then they will they will remember you, even if you're not right. Like you said, if it's meant to be, that role's for you. But if it's not, they're gonna remember you because you came in that room and played. Here's a gold nugget I'll share with you. Uh, from the job Enemies, I worked with Ron Howard's mom and dad, Rance and Pearl, cool. uh, which was so amazing because they just had gold nuggets like crazy, right? I mean, their son, all their, they're both their sons. Mm-hmm. But Pearl said, because she was an actress before she had birthed children, and she had had, if I get it right, she had, she had counted like 120 auditions before she booked her first job. It was something crazy like that. And I asked her, how in the world, how do you get, how did you get through 120 rejections, right? Remember, this is the job I got when I was going to, quit. And she said, oh my gosh, honey, you're looking at it wrong. When you go into the room, you are are performing for a group of people who are rooting for you. They want you to be perfect. They want to hire you. You're missing it. Go in there knowing that they are overjoyed to see you and know that they're going to continue watching you until you say cut and you walk out the door. It just turned it upside down for me to go, oh my God, you're right. Because every producer is, sure, like you said, sure. they can't wait for that person to come in the door. And Absolutely. They go, That's it. Good. Moving on. Now we go to this other role, right? Uh, so they really are rooting for us. Uh, and they, you know, they are sitting there waiting. They're, they're the perfect audience for us. And when she said that, it changed me. And uh, it really, I, the rest of my career is because of the, that gold nugget. That's great. That's great advice. You know, for me, you know, a lot of actors put the the casting, the producer, they put them up on a pedestal, like, oh, and I, I my attitude was, you're welcome. 
I'm doing you a favor. I came in the room like after you see it's me, you can, t- you can tell all the other guys to go home because I am the guy. You know, I already did the work. I'm coming in the wardrobe, whatever it is. I'm 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 bringing the character to the door. I know more about this character than the writer who wrote it because I wrote the backstory. I did a private <laughs> moment exercise. Yeah, right? I, you know, I, I know this character better than everybody. So I'm coming in with that kind of confidence that you're welcome. I know you're looking. I'm I'm the 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 solution to your problem. You got a problem. You need to cast this role. I'm the solution. You're welcome. So if yeah. you come in like that, it's a game changer. That's true. The other thing is too, you build, you start to build your reputation even before you book with casting, the casting assistance. I cannot stress it enough how it's so easy to have an attitude with someone's assistant, but you must remember that assistant is going to be the new casting director sooner than you think. And then that casting director is probably going to be the head of casting sooner than you think. So try not to have the attitude that they are less than you. Don't let anyone, don't treat anyone like they're beneath you because it will bite you in the butt. You will get, calls in for for jobs that maybe you didn't even submit for your your agent didn't submit for why because the casting director or that assistant knew however long ago you came in and nailed it and were so professional and good that they go you know what you'd be great for this and you maybe you're not the surfer dude like billy said right you're not the blonde blue-eyed dumb girl like i had spoken of but you were good and dependable and you're going to make the casting director look good. So mm. they'll bring in the ones that are going to make them look good. Exactly. They want to get the next job too. Sure. So, right. If they're going to bring in 10 people, they're going to bring in maybe five that are exactly the stereotypical as the writer wrote. And then they're going to bring in some other choices that are their favorites that can do the job, but aren't written in that small box. And you can get those auditions too, simply by showing up on time, having a smile on your face, being having a good attitude with everybody. Everybody, that person sweeping the floor on the set, that person could be running the studio. You know, I mean, you're you're so right with the casting directors. You know, they want to look good in front of their producers. You know, it's their job. So if they know they can, you're dependable and you're professional and you're prepared and you 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 just come in and you you're shining you know your light in that room i mean that's it uh, how i see it i say this talent was given to you it's a god-given gift so go play go shine that light and if you come into that room shining that light that energy people will want to be around that they're attracted to it there's something about that person i you know they're you're and the flip side is true too if you're like demanding or you're, you know, not treating people right. And you got this dark energy. I don't want to work with you. I'm not going to bring you into my room. I want somebody who's going to make me look good in front of the producers. Because like you said, I have dreams too. I don't want to be a caster. I want to direct next time. I want to be, you know, I, so it's about looking, you make them look good. If, if, if you have a couple of casting directors that are fans of your work, you can become a working actor because they, they bring, listen, God rest Vicky Rosenberg's soul, but you know, Vicky Rosenberg cast me and I can't tell you how many jobs, you know, I mean, who's the boss married with children. I mean, some of the, the, you know, the bigger, you know, how many pilots that I, you know, there are certain casting directors in this business that become a fan, like, you know, and all of a sudden your agent might not have submitted you, but they go, Oh no, that's Billy. Let's bring Billy in for that part. Well, let's get Terry in. 
like now when they're doing so much self-tape, right? Because we, we, you had to be good in the room if you were ever going to get a job. But now because of the pandemic, it's really opened up this whole new medium of self-tape. And here is where you can put yourself above a novice person is think of your background, right? Like if I was doing a scene, this is not where I'd be setting up the camera where there's all this noise and whatnot. Great for audition because it looks presentable and good. There's not junk, not garbage, but there are young actors that put themselves on tape and they're not thinking about what the background or the side views are, you know, that they've got a can of Coke back there. Worse, maybe it's a half bottle of beer. They're not going to book it no matter how amazing of an actor they are because the casting can't get through the first 35 seconds of how awful the background looks. Well, let's talk about that. There was a the, not a good light. Just invest a hundred bucks and get a light for yourself. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it, you, you have this cool little technology in your pocket now, this, this iPhone that you can, you can make a movie on that thing, you know? Absolutely. So you, you know, back in the day when we wanted to, uh, get some footage of ourselves, we actually had to book the role. And then I don't know, do you remember Jan Natarno? He used to be like an yeah. editor. He used to, Jan's he used to video. yeah, Jan's yeah. video. He used to pull your video recorded on a three quarter tape. You know, people are like, listen, like what the hell's a three quarter tape? It's a monster tape. tape. And then you would have to go to his place and then he would edit it into your demo reel on a VHS. You know, they don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. Now they have this cool little thing in their, their pocket that they can create a, a film. You know, you can do whatever you want. You can, you don't have to wait. You can create your own footage. So, you know, self tapes, if, if you have not mastered the art of self tape, then you don't truly want to be an actor because that's how you're going to work. So like you said, you want to invest in the proper sound. You want to impress, get the proper lighting. You want to have, uh, you know, a clean background, you know, all of those elements. But for me, this is how I feel personally. And some casting directors may disagree with, you know, I'm not like if I'm waiting for the guy, uh, the serial killer, right? I don't, I'm not going to have myself with a blue background. <laughs> you know, it's just to me, that's like fake. So I'm going to find a clean gray wall, a real wall that looks like an interrogation room or whatever the, the setting is. I want something that feels real. I'm not going to have something fake. I'm, I'm a rule break. I don't give a shit about the blue background. I don't, I'm on it. So I'm going to give you a piece of footage that you can take my footage and you can put it right into your movie. It's going to be lit properly. It's going to, I'm going to have the wardrobe of the character. I'm going to, it's going to yeah. sound, you know, I'm going to frame it like, you know, cinematic framing. It's going to, yeah. it's going to look like a real piece of footage from something, you know, because if I'm a cast director, I'm going through thousands of submissions, the guy with the wrinkle curtain, the guy with the sides in his hand, the da, 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 and then boom, all of a sudden there's, it's like walking into the room and bringing the character into the room, showing That's them the character. Right. So, and you know, we we have control of it more yeah. than we did the room. So really self-tape can be an asset, but you must learn the right skill because otherwise, if you if you're just beginning and you're not doing this, well, guess what? The Billies and the Terries are already mastering it. So we're gonna continue to work, right? Because we have now mastered this new calling card, right? So as a student. Uh, when you're beginning in this business and always learning, you must do these simple things so that you can you can at least be on the same level on the playing ground. 
I was doing self tapes back in the nineties because like I had like, Oh, for New York. Well, I, you know, I did like an NYPD blue and, you know, I played a, a guest star on the show and I played a serial, you know, I, I play a son of a mafia boss who's a gay, who's a psychopath who kills his brother and kills a bunch of people and all. That. And I had done the show already. But then I found out about another guest star of a completely different character, a, a, you know, a Puerto Rican ex-con to get out of Rikers Island who was suicidal and it was this great role. But they wouldn't let me into the door because they said, oh, no, he already did the show. And, you know, they saw me. They were trying to put me in that little box. Right. So I said, I'm going to put myself on tape for oh, the okay. other guy. And okay. I filmed myself and I had a full goatee and the whole thing. And I and I sent them the tape. I got that part. Yeah, because I showed it. I showed it. I served it up. I mean, I can't tell you how many roles back in the day, even like, I don't know, eight years ago when I was when I first built the Manhattan Actors Studio, I was here and I, you know, I live in I'm in the South Bay in Manhattan Beach. And, you know, there was an audition in Hollywood for whatever for Days of Our Lives. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not driving all the way over there. I don't have time for that. I, you know, I said, I, I, I literally passed on. It. I said, forget about it. And they said, no, they really want to see you for this thing. I said, well, I got a busy schedule. I'm not driving over there, but I said, tell you what I'll do. You know, I got a full functioning studio. I got cameras. I got things. I said, I'll put myself on tape and I'll send it to you. And, you know, so I put myself on tape, sent it to casting. They offered me the part. And, and then, you know, it was like, they didn't want to pay me. So I turned it down, <laughs> you know, and they came up with more money and said, okay, I'll do it then, <laughs> you know? Right. But that all came from self, you know, self tapes. So I've been doing self tapes for years before self tapes were even popular. But I truly believe that I, you have the ability to do it as many times as you want to. You get exactly give them the the performance. So right. it's you're serving it up, going yummy, yummy, yummy. That tastes good, huh? Yeah, that's me. I'm the part. Yes, and work on. I think I work on your slate. Absolutely, you can lose them. Hello, because a lot. Because a lot <laughs> I know a lot of casting is because of. Uh, because a lot of assistants will see your tape before it ever gets to casting. Because there's so many now that if they just you're high, they could go next. So yep. you you've got to I don't know whatever is conducive to your truth, but you need to find it so that they just don't go swipe. Right, you got to keep and hold that attention. So work on your slate. Know exactly what you're going to say. Don't hem and haw. Yeah, Give them exactly what their directions are. If you notice that the, the bottoms of uh, the directions, it will give you like taping instructions and they mean it. If you don't like, sometimes they want you to slate and put it at the end of the, of your reel, which I actually prefer. I think it's, it's better sure. Keeps you in your character. And then you're like, hi, I'm Terry, you know, yeah. LA based and totally vaxxed. But you know, I think it's better at the end. But if you don't read the directions and follow it, they're going to be like, you don't even read. Swipe. Sure, exactly. And you don't want to, I tell my actors all the time, you don't want to come in like a robot. Like, you know, if they don't ask for profiles and hands, don't come in and start going. Uh, uh. You know, it's like, no, who asked for all that shit? Nobody asked for that. Well, you know? commercial too, right? Yeah, but, but you could, you could literally lose them at hello if you don't know how to slate your name properly. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But and I, I I'm I've I've always taken my slate and put it at the end. I don't care what because I'm not going to tell them hi. I'm Billy when I'm reading for Joe. I want to give him Joe. Serve up yeah. Joe. Hey, have some Joe. Okay. Yeah, you like that? Great. Oh no, that's really that's actor Billy Gallo that played Joe. You know, at the end, I don't want to tell him at, in the beginning of it that I'm not Joe. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, too, especially like when we're doing heavier characters, 
you're yeah. like from your slate, hi, and then there's oh, right. Yeah. It's better to open up, in my opinion, to open up your audition tape when you're just in the moment and you're feeling it and you're delivering it. Sure. I mean, that's how I used to walk in the room. Like when I played a lot of heavies, you know, and if I'm coming in to read for the you know, CSI criminal mind, the kill, the serial killer, or the, you know, I'm not going to come in a room and go, hi guys, <laughs> you know, lost the metal low. You know, I look at a piece of material and go, okay, why did the writer write this? What am I supposed to make them feel? Mm -hmm. um, I'm supposed to make them feel uncomfortable. Cool. Let me do that. And I'll walk into a room. I won't say hello to anybody. I'll just stare everybody down, make everybody really uncomfortable. I'll sit on a <laughs> freaking desk. And then when it's really uncomfortable, I'll do my, say my stuff and I'll walk out the door. And literally by the time I'm in the parking lot, my phone's ringing going, you got the part. I love that. Because I made them feel what the given circumstances of the scene were. I'm not going to go in there and be like, hi. And, uh, you know, that's not the character. You know, I, I've done that in, over and over in my career so many times. I mean, I've done stuff, you know, you got to make big, bold choices in, in that room, in that audition. And yeah. that's a big, bold choice to, to do that. I mean, you know, I, I once did a film where I played an abusive father and I'm not going to, you know, in the room, you know, I did the audition and I had to blow up in the room and I, and I blew up and then I walked out and I slammed the door on the way out. Bam. And the casting director went, oh, and the producer went, that's him. <laughs> Why? Because that was a big ass bold choice to slam that door. But that was my character walking out, pissed the fuck off. <laughs> He's right. slamming the door. You know, now other actors may go, Oh, I want to do that. But I didn't care. You know, I'm showing you the character. Right. I have had it where it wasn't received as positive as yours. Sure. Uh, it was Aaron Spelling, which was Aaron, God rest his soul. And I was to play this druggy, homeless type of character and uh, strung out. So I literally didn't go to sleep the night before and I put on my makeup so that my makeup would be all sunk in and just like real. <laughs> this yeah. is Aaron Spelling. Like, let's think of the drama. <laughs> like, I probably didn't have to go like I'm trying to get an Academy Award for this part. But I parked the car outside of uh, the Warner Brothers lot and I walked in barefoot because I had this whole thing in my head of like being raw and real. So I had literal dirty feet and, and look like I'm a crazy person. And when I left the room, that is what they asked my manager. Has, is Terry totally lost her mind? Is, is she having a, an emotional nervous breakdown? Aaron Spelling is like, she walked with dirty feet on my white rug. And, and my manager was like, what the fuck did you do? And I told her my whole process. And she's like, Terry, save that process when you book the job, please. That's hysterical. <laughs> you, had a, you, you had dirty feet on Aaron Spelling's white rug. Yeah. Needless to say, uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get that one. Yeah. Well, you're a method. You're a method actor. <laughs> uh, pick and choose. Pick and choose. I I did that once with uh, with Johnny Depp. Uh, Johnny Depp was uh, directing a film that he wrote, and uh, there was a role of uh, this alcoholic thing, and I I had like put like, Jack Daniels on my clothes. <laughs> you know, came in like reeking of alcohol. <laughs> Okay. Johnny was like, okay, man. <laughs> uh, that's hysterical. Yeah. If you don't risk, 
you definitely won't obtain anything. You I can't tell my actors yeah. all the time, safe, boring, next. Yeah. Make a big, bold choice and, and, and make them feel whatever the given circumstances are in that room and walk out confident. And, you know, that's the game, you know, you got to figure out. I mean, I tell I, I crash that I did, you know, that won two Academy Awards. The role was a police officer who pulls over Terrence Howard's character and tells him to step out of the vehicle, get down on the ground. And, you know, I'm giving him commands and he's telling me to go suck his, you know, whatever. And I'm about to shoot him. That's what the given circumstance of the scene was. So I said to myself, how am I supposed to make him feel like they're about to get their head blown off? Right. How am I going to make him feel that? I don't want to go in a room and go, get down on the ground. You know, right. My finger, you know, it's like, is that scary? Right. Are you scared? It's my finger. You know, I can't bring in a gun, <laughs> you know, a prop gun. Right. Right. But I, I had this idea and I, I had my wallet and, you know, I pulled my black wallet out and and, you know, I commanded, you know, I treated the wallet as if it was real, as I had a gun in my hand. And I when I commanded to get down on the ground and. and when I was done with that audition, the casting director was hiding. She was literally behind her chair. And, yes. and she said, that was the scariest wallet I've ever seen. <laughs> and I knew I got that part because for a brief second, she thought there might have been, it got dangerous in that room. And that yeah. was what the scene was about, you know? So it's always, for me, it's always been how do, you know, whatever it is, if it's a comedy, how do I make them laugh more than, look, I never thought of myself as a comedic actor. You know, I was a serious theater actor from New York, Strasburg, you know, actor studio. And then I came out to Hollywood and I started doing sitcoms. I never thought of myself as funny, but I found, okay, it's a comedy. I got to make them laugh at their own silly, stupid jokes that they've heard a thousand actors read before me. How do I make it funnier than the next guy? Right. How do I make those jokes funnier? So I would add an accent. I make my character dumb. I, you know, I put stuff on top of it, like the you know I put stuff on it, and that would the delivery of the lines would become funny, and they would laugh at their own jokes. And if you have them laughing at their own jokes in the room, you, you're you, you're doing well, you know, because they've heard them. I always have said that it shouldn't be called acting; it should be called reacting, and because it's truly a listening. Right. It's a listening game. I don't know how I'm supposed to say the next line until I hear my cue. Right. Until I hear it, how it's presented. And then I'm going to react to whatever is being said and then say it. Right. Your reaction doesn't have to be big, but you're still reacting just in real life as we're communicating right i'm listening to what billy's saying and then i'm like oh i I may not say anything but i'm agreeing or maybe i'm not agreeing or whatever those are the things that when the cameras are rolling that they're going to take that piece of you and edit it in into the scene right so you need to give the casting and the and the producers in the audition sequence those things too so like when you, you're doing your self-tape and your reader is reading, make sure you're invested in your read. Even if your reader is horrible and reading like a second grader, but makes puts more onus on you. But you need to listen, actively listen to give power to however you respond. That's great advice. You know, I tell my actors all the time, it's not about, you know, it's not about the words. It's about listening and reacting. And sometimes 
you know, you will have to put somebody real out there, you know, substitute, personalize and, and have that real person and have them reacting. So you may have nothing, you know, you know, on a set, they'll give you a piece of tape and go, that's your eyeline for the other yeah. character. But I'm going to have to put a real person in there and I'm going to have to see them. So I'm playing literally both sides of this. I see I said this and oh, now you're walking away. You're going to walk away from me. You're going to you're not going to look at me now. Now, all of a sudden I'm reacting to that other person. But that's a person that I a real person that I've put there. Right. So I'm I'm reacting with myself with a real person. I'm letting my imagination go. If I, if I put my mother out there, I see how she's looking at me right now, and that makes me feel a certain way. It mm-hmm. makes me deliver my next line a certain way because of her behavior, the way she's acting, reacting. You know. So there's there's that you got to let your imagination go because sometimes you may be doing a scene, right? And you got cast in the movie, you got the part and the lead actor, you know, they're, they got a 12 hour turnaround. They're in their car driving back home and then they're going to give you, okay, the, here's your eyeline play it to, you know, that. And you got nothing. You got a script supervisor who can barely, you know, say the words. So how do you act with a piece of tape and a script supervisor? You can, you have to make that real for you. You got to personalize it. You got to have that real person there so you can really react to them. So I, I think that's great advice. Yes. React reacting in a sincere real place yeah how has the the business changed for you in you know since you got in i mean this business has changed drastically since we got into it yeah i i've as you have we've seen the business literally the business morph at least three times like completely different Mm -hmm. but you know the different rider strikes 9-11 9-11 was huge. And now we're having, you know, uh, the pandemic is changing again. And what I've noticed is that when things change, they never change back. <laughs> so don't hang on to, oh, this is how it used to be, because it's probably never going to go back that way again. You must continually reinvent and find a way, even if it's your own foot, to keep that door open. For me, I've had to... I don't know, just for my own sanity, just enjoy my life and know that if they want me, they will find me and they will call. Now, I'm not saying because that for everyone, like if you don't have an agent that knows your voice before you say your name or your manager that doesn't know your phone number by heart, then you're then you got to play it a little different. Right. Because you want to have that agent and that manager that believe in, in, in you so desperately. But not all the time do we get that. Yeah. So what would your advice be for a, a, an actor now starting out wanting to be in, you know, this business? I would do it different than how I'm seeing. I would, you have to reinvent something. You know, there are a bunch of people that, made it quote unquote famous, I guess, for being a so-and-so called influencer. But now even that time has run its course because what are they really influencing? Are they really getting a million people to buy a certain product? No. And it's being proven that like this whole influencer thing is really just a facade and people are faking that they're that because why? They want to be famous so that they can work. So you need to figure out what sets you apart and then pursue it. So never stop learning, learn a new language, learn how to shoot a bow and arrow, work out, have a physique, see where you fit. If you're someone that's going to be like, I'm going to be the hero or the villain, 
have a physique that matches that. If you're going to be a character actor, you're like, you know what? I don't, in my mind, I don't have the looks of a Brad Pitt, but man, I can be scary. Then work and hone in on those skills. Like Billy said, learn how to really hold your firearm. When you take a firearm class, there are Hollywood firearm classes. There are Hollywood fighting classes. You need to know how to take the hit, let alone give the hit and what side of camera. There's so many little things that are so valuable that the average actor is so over their head that I know probably same for Billy. We learned on the set that you don't have that opportunity these days. So you must find it yourself. Go to those classes, put as many tricks in your bag as possible so that when you're in front of the camera and they say action, there's things for you to pull out of. The more confident you are in who you are, the more you're going to light it up. Even if you're saying nothing, the attention is just going to drive to you. Love that. That's, you know, those special skills will, will, will help you. They will get you into the door, even if you're not union and I need an actor that can shoot a bow and arrow and you have that in your resume and you actually have that skill. I'm more likely to bring you into the door because you have that special skill. So developing those skills is a great idea. You know, your instrument, physically, mentally, spiritually, physically, you have to be in peak shape. Okay. You're, you're, like I said, you're a product. You're selling a product to Hollywood. Look, I knew exactly what I was selling. I was working out. I was selling the six pack. I was selling the hunk of a month. You know, I was selling the Fonz. That's what they bought. That's what they wrote in the magazines, the Fonz of the eighties. They, the, you know, the, the team beat things because, but I, that's exactly what I sold them. I knew what I was selling. So know what your cast ability is. Yeah, if you, you know, you're six foot five and you can't dribble a basketball, you're in trouble because you're probably going to go out on a commercial that they're looking for basketball players. So having the skill of being able to dribble a basketball, if you look Hispanic and you can't do a Spanish accent or can't speak Spanish, you know, you're probably not going to get, you know, that audition when they're looking for somebody who can speak Spanish or do a Spanish accent. If, you know, find your cast ability and really start developing those special skills, those accents, the your instrument. So you, you know what you're selling to Hollywood. And then it gives you confidence because, like you said, you walk you walk into the audition, you feel good because, yeah, I am in shape and I, I am glowing and I, I, I am grounded because I've been practicing meditating and breathing. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming into the room shining my light, my star power. Yes. Uh, the other thing, too, I think would be very wise in today's atmosphere would be to have multiple different headshots with your true look, like especially with guys, so they can really see you with full facial hair and really gruffy and, and whatnot. And then they can see you clean and then they can see you. You know, I don't want to be to say, oh, put glasses on. It, but if you really wear glasses, then you should have photos where it's part of your whole ingrained uh, persona, right? Uh, for girls, you should have, these are your tools that your agents will use. So you should have headshots with your hair up so they can see, you know, all of this, yeah, let alone uh, just a sex appeal. And try, 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 try as a girl only to show one body part at a time. So whatever your strength is, when you're doing like the sexy role, right? 
if uh, you got great abs, then wear something that shows just a little bit of your abs, just a little taste. If you got great legs, then you wear a mini skirt or shorts so you can, they can see your great legs. If you got great arms, the same thing. You wear a tank top, but only one body part at a time. And I would stay clear of the chest stuff. I really would. That's just my own note. And I've got boobs. Um, they, they come in handy, but they tend to, especially like on a camera, they tend to overwhelm and make girl, guy, anyone just focus there. And that takes the focus off of what you're doing. So that's just presentation. Most people wouldn't even think to say that, but I, I, I really want you to have a, a great success. And the more tools you have, the more option it is that you're going to be called in to be seen. Yeah. Listen, those headshots and that demo reel. And the cool thing is, is even if you're brand new and you don't have a demo reel, well, guess what? You have an iPhone in your pocket and you can find a monologue. And if you see yourself playing uh, the bad guy, well, find the bad guy monologue, or you see yourself playing the police officer, find the police officer monologue and find uh, the right location for it and, and film and have 30 seconds of you playing that character and and having a picture you know because if i'm looking to cast the cop and i get a picture and there's a guy who looks like a cop he's got a blue shirt on with a, a white t-shirt it looks like lapd and i go wow this guy looks like a cop instead right. of the guy with the jean jacket on because that's right. not saying cop so i'm looking you got to help those casting directors do their job if i'm looking for a certain role and I get that picture that matches it. Oh, I'm looking for a nurse. Oh, look at this picture. She's got scrubs on and she's got a, she looks like a nurse. Oh my gosh, it's a nurse. And look at this piece of footage. It's um, footage of her playing a nurse. She looks like a nurse. She can act like a nurse. Let's bring her in, <laughs> you know? Yep. And you can do that. I mean, your social media, your, your, your Instagram or whatever, show your special skills on that. Say actor and then have, if you could shoot a bow and arrow, have you shooting the bow and arrow. If you, oh, so you, you know, if you're, yeah. if you can surf, if you can skateboard or whatever it is, you know, have, show your special skills, show your talent, have a piece of footage of you, you know, get professional headshots, not the shots of your friend in the backyard, you know, with the, the tree in the backyard. No. You want professional you, everything you put out there wants to scream. I am a professional actor, not an amateur. I'm a pro. So your headshots, your, your footage, you know, your demo reel, all of that has to be, you know, that's the first thing that people are going to see. So might as well put the best stuff out there. That's your calling card. Yes. And I wouldn't, I mean, depending on how new you are, I would grab any type of experience in front of a camera that I could get. So if I could do student films, I would do student films. You know, if you can do commercials, you know, just to just to get your uh, audition skills ripe and ready. Because when a really great opportunity comes, you don't want to have to get ready for that. You want to be already ready. So commercial auditions will help you really just develop a thicker skin and comfortable in front of a camera. And you can get some really great in, in Los Angeles because of, my gosh, our film schools here are world renowned. So you can get some incredible footage of yourself to use, you know, two minute scene. Doesn't have to be long, just good, lit well and sound good, just so they can see how you move and talk. That's all. And you can get that from student film. Absolutely. If I'm a young actor and I'm coming into Hollywood, I'm, I'm reaching out to every film school, every film program going, hey, I'm an actor. And I was wondering if there's anything for me to audition for. Here's my materials. 
those young filmmakers are going to be the next filmmaker, directors, producers in Hollywood. So why not meet them now? Why not get those relationships now? Because, you know, later on, you're going to go into that audition for that film and that director is going to go, hey, you were, we worked together on my short film from college or whatever. Yeah. And then you have that relationship. So it's about building relationships now. You know, the more relationships you have, the more your reputation is being a professional and prepared and, you know, all of that good stuff, you're going to work in this business. And you want to scoop up as much non-union work as possible. Oh, there's a ton of stuff out there, webisodes, student films, you know, whatever it may be. This is your this is called paying your dues. Right now you want to pay your dues because you don't want to be the actor that only acts when they have an audition. You want to be the actor that, oh, what have you been up to? Well, I just finished a short film. I did a student film. I did this, 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 and that, and that. And if you meet with me, an agent or a manager or a casting director, and I go, What have you been up to? And you tell me all this great stuff, I'm gonna go, Wow, you're this is a working actor. It's a professional right. actor. If you say, Oh, well, I haven't done anything, well, you're probably not gonna work. So right. now it's time to go to work and, and pay your dues. Yes. And there's so much, so many more opportunities now than there ever were. So there really isn't any excuse not to have a good minute, two minutes of something for them to see in a live no. action. And if, and if you don't have anything, you know, you can self-tape your own stuff. As long as it's lit right, it's, it sounds right, you know, it's, it's frame right, and it just shows your talent. You know, if I saw somebody rock a monologue and they're bringing their soul to it and leaving their piece of soul behind, their soul behind on that piece of footage, and I feel it, and I and they make me laugh or they make me cry, or whatever, I'm gonna go, wow, that's that's I want to I want to meet this person. Yeah. They're 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 showing me their talent. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you could go back and give little Terry some advice, life advice, career advice, what would that be? <laughs> not to judge myself it's good to have markers that you want to attain goals set to achieve but judgment self-judgment can do more harm than good and I think I've gotten caught up in that more than anything as I previously said with you know coming close to having emotional breakdowns that's all because of self-judgment me telling myself putting down my creative child inside my head going, Oh, you're not good enough. They're just going to reject you. You're, you don't, you're not 22 anymore, Terry. I mean, all that negative spiraling dialogue, all that is garbage. And basically it's judgment. So if we can practice throwing the judgment away, I mean, the world is a big enough ass kicker. We don't need to do it ourselves. Love that. Yeah. Be your best friend, not your worst enemy. You know, guard the gates of your mind. Put a big ass bouncer at the door. And when that little noise wants to come in, you go, no, 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 no. You're not allowed in here. Sorry. The big me, the powerful me, the confident me, the light within me is the one that's going to come into this room and shine, not the noise. Yeah. You know, something else I would have done, and you said it earlier, I would have learned how to do a Spanish accent. I didn't because when I came into the business, there was nothing written for any ethnicity. So I didn't want to be thought of as being Spanish in any regard because I wanted to work. And everything that, they, and if they did have anything, they always wrote it for someone who had a thick accent. Well, if I wasn't so judgmental with myself, I could have learned that and gotten probably those parts too. And it probably wouldn't have even mattered, right? But in my mind, I judged it. 
And, you know, here I am today, like you said, and I probably looked like I could play Hispanic, but I, I, I purposely didn't learn how to do an accent. I guess I could try now, but now everybody knows I'm not. So, sure. but you know, <laughs> you know, it's, and it's on who you are, be you. Okay. That's enough. Be you. That's enough. Oh, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Coach Billy. I'm going to be me because it's enough. That's right. And that's your star power. There's only one Terry Ivins. So be you and own you. That's Terry, true. I can't thank you enough for spending this time with me. It's so great wow. to see you. I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't seen you. In, I don't remember the last time I saw you in, in real life. Oh uh, it's been, been a very, very long time. But, you know, when I... I, I was going and I found some footage of, you know, boys will be boys. And I, I it was I think it was the, the commercial, the trailer that you were talking about earlier for the the series. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to have Terry on the show. I mean, you have a wealth of knowledge, you know, being in this business for such a long time. And you've been through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. And, you know, you know, this business inside and out. So really, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on and, you know, sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And I hope all of your listeners, your viewers, do the right thing. Learn a new skill. Always learn something to your bag of tricks. Add it. Beautiful. All right, Terry, you take care. We got to get together. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.